From WUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Brock. And I'm Allie Eldridge. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. This week, we will talk about the 30 women who took the opportunity to participate in the semester-long RID training that happened with the Ohio University Police. And the veterans and students who came to view the wall that heals, a tribute to the many lives sacrificed in the Vietnam War. Honestly, it's very inspirational that the fact that so many people have died for us and have um, sacrificed so much for our freedom. We will give you all the details and more coming up right here on The Outlet. Hoffa's Records has been viewed as the music center of Athens for 42 years, starting in the basement of its current location. But later this month, the store will be closing for good. With more on the story, here is The Outlet's Beth Greenman. As you walk into Hoffa's Records, immediately to your left, you will find a wide selection of CDs, including several from local artists, all stacked neatly on wooden shelves. Deeper in, LPs and records line the walls of the store in cardboard boxes on tabletops with a variety of genres. Hoffa's Records is located at 15 West Union Street in Athens. Directly across from the Union Bar and next to the Chicken and Waffles stand, it is at the ideal location to be a hub for the music lovers of Athens. And for many years, it has been just that. But on September 30th, Hoffa's Records will close its doors for good. One of the men behind the store, Andrew Lampla, started working at Hoffa's in 2000 and began his co-ownership of the store around 2009. He says that he was always a nerd when it came to music, which eventually led to his going into the music business. I started working here while I was going to school. Planned on moving away. Life happened and here I am. You know, you gotta be somewhere, right? Andrew says the store's closing is a result of the shift in how people consume music thanks to the change in technology and trying to run a music store in rural Ohio. It's just this is a pretty small town and buying records is kind of a niche thing. Uh, you know, if it was a bigger city, it might be able to be a little easier to keep it going. As a man whose time in college was so shaped by his involvement with the store, Andrew finds it hard to envision Athens without Hoffa's and without any other record store to take its place. Fans of the local record store are also really feeling the loss. Junior music therapy major John Fuchs enjoyed going to the store with friends and finding hidden gems. I remember, I think it was like my freshman year, I found a Kraftwerk record there. And they're like a very, they're like one of the pioneers of electronic music. And I got like a bootleg of theirs for 20 bucks. And that was a steal for something like that. John would go to Hoffa's sporadically, but tried to go to the store at least once a month. I tried to go whenever I was like extremely stressed, just because buying records always made me feel better and that was like the only place I could do it. Needless to say, when he heard the news of his safe haven closing, John took it hard. I cried, I'm not even gonna lie, I was devastated. I think the next day I went there and bought a record. I know the people who work there and they're like very kind and they've always been like super supportive of like the DIY community and like the radio stations all over campus. John doesn't think the store closing will have a huge effect on the larger Athens community, but will really hurt a part of it, namely the part that loves the music scene. While both co-owner Andrew and fans like John are taking the loss of the store pretty hard, Andrew is proud of what the store has accomplished. He's glad to have brought the people of Athens some great records, but knows there will be a void in town. It's gonna suck. Athens without a record store? It's heartbreaking. 
For The Outlet, I'm Beth Greenman. According to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, one in five women are sexually assaulted in college. RAD is a program to teach women basic defensive skills. Our reporter, Maddie Young, gives us more on the story. Officer Brandon King is in the middle of a circle filled with 30 college women. Each student has a workbook at their feet filled with pictures of techniques and when to use each. They're looking around Waltered Fieldhouse, preparing for the next six weeks. Participants are fidgeting and playing with the turf as Officer King begins to talk. Brandon King is an OUPD officer and has been teaching the RAD program for the past six years. Officer King sacrifices his Sundays to give women both physical and mental techniques they can use in case of an incident. Not only is this a, like a, a physical um, thing, we also prepare the minds you know, mentally because when under, you know, what we call it combat stress, uh, your body does things to you, your mind does things to you that can help you, it can hurt you. So what we're trying to do is bring in the realization the best we can that if you are attacked, this mentally you have to be prepared for this and physically you also have to be prepared for this. Students will learn basic techniques as the weeks go on. Everything from stances to punches to how to properly kick an attacker. All of that training will then get put to the test when during the last week they'll be able to practice on a padded police officer. Participants include many freshmen whose end goal is to become a more confident woman around campus. Marley McKine feels like the program will benefit her. It's just the whole thing of being able like, to be more confident and being alone like in well, unsafe situations. Like Hopefully I'm not in those, but feeling more confident and being able to defend myself against attackers, especially being on college campus and everything. This RAD course is designed specifically for women, and the reason for that is Title IX. Title IX means that no person on the basis of gender can be excluded from participation in any education program. So the class is split into a women's section and a men's section. So that allows women to come in here, you know, learn some basic self-defense techniques, learn some you know, medical preparedness, and not feel that they have men kind of looking over the shoulder watching them. So it's, so it's a comfort zone, too, that women can come together and you know, talk about all types of things, and nobody is judged, and you know, everybody has a great time. One freshman student, Stephanie Rinaldi, isn't new to the program. She took RAD in Grove City this past summer before she came to college, but she wanted to take it again for extra confidence and extra practice. I want to be able to defend myself because... I know that I may not look like it, that I'm super tough but because I'm a pretty small girl, um, but it he, helped a lot to be able to boost my self-confidence and to be able to be like, oh, I got this. Like, if something happens, hopefully that doesn't, I don't have to worry about it. For Stephanie, peace of mind is important, but so is showing that there's more to her than meets the eye. I totally recommend it, especially for all girls, um, because... We may not look like it, but we're tougher than we are, and it's nice to have that background if you don't feel safe. It's clear the idea of gaining confidence is ever-present with these women, and that's a big part of the program. The training will help students gain new skills, new confidence, 
and a sense of safety. For The Outlet, I'm Maddie Young. People young and old from Athens gathered in Bicentennial Park for a few days in September to honor those who fought for our country in the Vietnam War. The outlet's Anna Hoffman will tell you more about the wall that heals and its impact on the community. Richard Gridstead and friends are staring at a sleek, shiny black wall with over 58,000 names on it. Edged into the obsidian-colored surface are the names of 58,000 men and women. It's called the Wall That Heals. It's a half-scale replica of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., traveling around the country, bringing the wall and its lessons to people. Grinstead is from Athens. During the war, he was a private in the Army. Today, he is the chaplain at the Albany VFW Post 9893. Not only are veterans like Richard here to find a sense of closure, they hope the younger generation will learn something. I'm hoping a lot of the students will come out and uh, the more you learn about something, you know, the, the, more, uh, the more educated or aware you are and can make you know, decisions for yourself on that. The Wall's visit allowed a younger generation to learn about the war and its legacy firsthand rather than just reading it in a history book. 16-year-old ROTC cadet Natasha Thompson is from Payne Valley High School. She's here as a part of the ceremonial honor guard. During the ceremony, the audience got a chance to hear from veterans about their experiences in Vietnam. They also heard from members of the Athens community, such as Athens Mayor Patterson and the university's President Nellis, about what it means to have the wall that heals on this campus. The ceremony was an opportunity for Natasha to recognize the men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country and to learn about their sacrifices firsthand. Honestly, it's very inspirational that the fact that so many people have died for us and have um, sacrificed so much for our freedom, it honestly inspires me to be a better person. There are 58,939 names on the wall itself. 18 of those names are from Athens County, and 76 are from the southeastern Ohio region. The Vietnam Veterans Committee placed an American flag by each of those 76 names. In the word of Athens Mayor Steve Patterson, this wall has brought them home. But the honor paid to the men that died in the war now is in stark contrast with the public's feelings about the war then, a time when protests about the war were happening all across the country, including on OU's campus. It was a little um, disheartening to see that, that people um, were so opposed to the war. Even at that point in time, it had been going on for probably four years. But still, even today, I'm, I'm proud of my service and, and what I did to serve my country. Today, families have elaborate homecomings for our soldiers. Back when men like Richard came home from the war, they had to wonder if the people at home would be grateful for their sacrifices they made or if they will continue to protest all the work the men put in overseas. 
The Wall That Heals is traveling around the country for those veterans who are still healing from their service and to give them that thanks they did not get 50 years ago. For The Outlet, I'm Anna Hoffman. People of Southern Ohio have depended on the coal industry for generations to provide dependable jobs. However, the outlet's Caitlin Coolidge found that Athens is becoming a hotspot for sustainable energy, all thanks to the organizations and people who are at the Energy Village tent at this year's Pawpaw Fest. Welcome to Energy Village. I'm Tom Calhoun. I'm from Meigs County. Where are you from? That's how Tom Calhoun greeted everyone who entered the Energy Village tent at this year's Pawpaw Fest. Tom is hard to miss. He's wearing a bright orange shirt, waving his hands around. He won't let anyone who enters his big white tent pass without talking to him first. He gets excited talking about sustainable energy, and he has good reason to. Athens, Ohio, once a place that depended on coal, is now becoming a leader in eco-friendly energy. Tom wasn't the only bright spot at the Energy Village. It was a packed house all weekend with a display of electric vehicles, solar panels, LED bicycles, an electric tractor ride, a DIY solar lantern station, and eco-friendly business representatives eager to provide more people access to sustainable energy. I have a lot of faith that we're going to move it forward and kind of set up an example for other rural communities, I think, for, for how they can become hubs of solar innovation. However, with an average household income that is significantly lower in this region than any other in Ohio, many people struggle financially to invest in eco-friendly energy. Luckily, the Energy Village provided several different ways people can afford to be more environmentally conscious. It's the sweetest deal in town. Tom is explaining affordable home energy packages to a potential customer. The Corporation for Ohio Appalachian Development, or COAD, supplies people whose income is less than or equal to 80% of the local median income with weatherized windows, low-flow shower heads, LED light bulbs, and other energy-efficient installations for $320. Tom says that package usually costs four to five thousand dollars. On top of a sustainable energy package, opportunities for people to invest in affordable, large-scale solar energy were also on display in the tent. One in particular was solar access. This affordable solar plan will be launched soon in Athens and will allow more people to afford the benefits that come with using solar energy. People huddle around Executive Director of Upgrade Athens County, Sarah Connolly Blue, while she explained the solar access program. Your subscription, coupled with my subscription and your neighbor's subscription and my neighbor's subscription, all together are helping to fund the total project. And, and it's not simply a donation. You're not just, you know, generously supporting solar with a donation. In fact, you actually see um, that money taken off of your utility bill. Sarah says Solar Access's first project is to set up a solar panel for a local Athens school building. Each month, as the panel produces energy for the school, people who have subscriptions for the panel will see their own electricity bill shrink. It may be surprising to hear that Appalachian Ohio would be so invested in sustainable energy, given the area's history with coal. For generations, the coal industry has supplied jobs for hundreds of people in the area. 
but more Southern Ohioans are seeing the economic benefits that come with using alternative energy sources. Coshocton resident Willie put his name in a raffle in hopes of winning his own solar generator. Supporting solar energy was an easy decision for him to make. It only makes sense. Uh, it's the easiest way to get energy. So why are we spending energy to get energy when there's energy? As people made their way out of the energy village, Tom made sure to ask each one what they learned in the tent. Some people said they would buy themselves LED light bulbs for their homes. Others walked away with their first solar electric plan. But everyone who visited the tent left with a plan to help Athens become a leader in sustainable energy. The Energy Village showed that there are opportunities for people of all economic backgrounds to invest in sustainable energy solutions, thanks to the organizations that aim to serve the people of this area. For The Outlet, I'm Caitlin Coolidge. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is co-produced and co-hosted this week by me, Allie Eldridge, and Taylor Brooke. We're edited by Atish Badia, Susan Tebbin, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Thanks for listening.